0: Spencer Linton,
1: and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live once again. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere Wednesday, May 6th. Congratulations on surviving Cinco de Mayo. Wherever and however you're connected, wonderful to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy who will at any moment happily rock a mock turtleneck, Jason Shepard. Look, it's a good look, and regardless of the era... And one of the reasons we bring this
2: up is because my guy, uh, Andrew Walter Reed, mm-hmm. also known as Andy Reed, uh, is in this picture that Chad Lewis put up on Twitter yesterday. And it's a picture, obviously, of him and Andy and then Coach Lavelle Edwards. And, look, if anybody can rock a mock, it's, it's Andy Reed. That's got to be straight out of 2004. That's a good look. And it's the slick back hair. But here's – this is the, – although the, the more I look at this picture – There's something different because I have this picture, but mine looks a little different. In fact, I have this same picture at my desk. (laughs) See, this is the picture I have. Why did Chad Photoshop you out? Why did Chad find it necessary to take me out of the original picture? I don't, I do not understand this.
1: (laughs) This is gold. (laughs) That was that was a moment for the four of us, and somehow Chad decides Uh, to take me out. I just want to know where is your mock turtleneck in that picture? Well, you can only see from
2: from the like the Adam's apple up, so it's oh, pulled down.
1: (laughs) It was pulled down just a hair. (laughs) (laughs) That is your dream picture, right? The the men in that picture. Does it get any better than that for you? Chad Lewis, Andy Reid, and Lavelle Edwards. Like it, and this—that's that, that's, <laughs> that's the top of the mountain for Jason Shepard wow. in terms of pictures. What do you mean? I was in the picture.
2: <laughs> it's, it's nothing hypothetical. I was—you just saw the picture, the original mock
1: turtlenecks. <laughs> yeah, you and uh, the Rock and Andy Reid. I was not wearing a fanny. You were, pack. didn't have a fanny pack. Did on not it, have a fanny pack a gold pack. chain. At no point. Sorry, Jamal,
2: I have never owned a fanny pack. Well, Jamal can pull it off, but he's the only Jamal can pull it off, and his fanny packs
1: probably cost a little bit more yeah, than most. his Louis Vuitton <laughs> fanny pack. <laughs> who knew? All right, uh, more fashion to come later. Also in today's show, is BYU the most improbable champion in the history of college football? As improbable as Jason actually being in that picture. What? We'll talk with the man who just wrote an article on why that is exactly the case. And plus the best to ever wear, number 10, how Notre Dame may be paving the way for BYU and COVID-19 scheduling scenarios. And don't forget, BYU basketball assistant coach Chris Burgess earning some well-deserved recognition, Jason, which leads us to today's headlines. Silver Waves Media named BYU's Chris Burgess one of the
2: 50 most impactful mid-major assistants in college basketball. The piece praised Burgess's ability to develop bigs both during his first season at BYU and then previously
1: at Utah Valley. Yeah, if you want to see, I guess, evidence of this, just look at Richard Harward and Colby Lee. Both of whom are still on the BYU basketball roster. And now you're bringing in Matt Harms. And you have Wyatt Lowell. Let's go. Gavin Baxter. Gavin Baxter. Let's go. Absolutely. Jack Swarbrick, the athletic director of independent football comrade to BYU Notre Dame, says he's confident the Irish will play a high-quality schedule if other conferences do indeed move to a conference-only schedule in 2020. He referenced a Power 5 conference plus-one model with Notre Dame being the plus-one. Not surprising because Notre Dame is Notre Dame. What about BYU? More on that in a moment. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, presented by Trio
0: Senior Living. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending, a BYU sports nation.
1: You got to love the Notre Dame hubris. Hey, 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 we're going to be fine. We already have like a partial contract with the ACC. The Irish are scheduled to play six ACC teams already in 2020. Let's just get the other conferences to do a plus Notre Dame scenario, and we can still play our super loaded schedule. Does the Notre Dame hubris of Power 5 Conference plus one scheduling proposal help or hurt a team like BYU, Jason?
2: I I actually think that it hurts BYU. I I think it's bad for BYU. And as we all know, BYU is capable of beating anybody. I mean, just using last year as an example – Winning at Tennessee, beating USC at home that came in as a ranked team. BYU is capable of going anywhere and beating any team. That's not what a, a team that is going to have to have one, the ability to schedule one game. Everything else is going to be conference, and then you have one game to schedule. What kind of team are you going to be putting in on that one? You, you're not going to be bringing in a team that has the capability of beating you. Then why would they bring in Notre Dame? I don't think they are. Uh. I, think, I, don't think no, I think Notre Dame is – I think it's in the exact same situation. I think Notre Dame is getting a little far ahead of itself. I do not see the benefit for these teams that are beating each other up in their own conferences. Let's, I mean, for, honestly, let's just look at the, at the Pac-12. These teams, do you honestly think that they're gonna with the with the, the teams that they have to face, they're gonna add a team like BYU? Let's say, let's just for the sake of argument, use Utah as an example here. Utah, you get to keep one of your non-conference opponents. Do you honestly believe they're gonna keep BYU on the schedule as the one? And I know everybody out there, oh, that one night in a row, blah, blah, blah. I don't I don't want to hear it, okay? <laughs> it's like you're playing an FCS team anyway, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> Do you honestly think that they're going to go through that scenario where they're going to be getting themselves beat up in conference and then pick a team that they can choose to schedule? That they're going to put a team like BYU on it or a team like Notre Dame on it? No, they're not. Yeah. These teams in Power Fives are not going to add a team that has the possibility of beating them For their one game that they can control.
1: Well, and who's to say that they even agree to add another game? Exactly. they're just like, you know what? We're sticking within the conference. So you figure it out. Notre Dame already has six ACC games. So why would they be opposed to scheduling a BYU and then beating up on a team like UConn, and then they play Army, you know? I mean, why not? Like, Notre Dame could figure it out even if they weren't the exception of plus one. But... If this does go through, and Jack Swarbrick and Tom Homo have so many high-level connections, BYU's been independent long enough, and they've been a good sport in independence long enough, that they have good relationships. So if this Notre Dame exception does come into play, I do think it's a good thing for BYU. I don't know if it's going to come into play. I think it's a good thing for BYU because... Most Power 5 conferences view BYU as a Power 5 equivalent when it comes to scheduling. Oh, I agree with that. So if BYU needs to be thrown a bone and they need some help, then there are enough connections there with Tom Homo that it probably could happen if Notre Dame is also being granted that exception. My hesitation is I just don't know that it will happen for Notre Dame if conferences are like we're. We're hunkering down That's and we're okay. only gonna play a conference. Why schedule. why
2: would they add a team like a Notre
1: Dame or
2: or BYU or any team that is good enough to beat them?
1: Like the only the only way I see this the financial reasons, exposure, hey Notre Dame, we've got an NBC home schedule. You can come play us and be on NBC. I mean how how Lucrative or enticing would a scenario like that be? The conferences, in my opinion,
2: that would be in the mix for doing something like this is the Mountain West Conference, the Group of Five, the American, the WAC. Y- I mean those are the teams that would be like, well, of course we'll play Notre Dame. Well, of course we'll play BYU. I, I just don't I just don't know where the benefit is for a, a P five team to do that right now.
1: Yeah, I I wonder uh, and it's all of course speculation because we don't know what's going to happen. I wish we had an inkling of what was going to happen. We don't know if the season's going to be delayed, if it's going to be next spring, if it's going to go off without a hitch uh, and start on time, but with no fans. We just don't know. But what's being discussed right now is conference-only schedules and how much hubris and poll does Notre Dame have to try and get that exception. If they do get in, BYU will ride the coattails. So I think that it would be a good thing. We'll see if it actually comes to that.
2: Topic number two, and this is interesting. Yesterday, Minnesota Board of Regents member Michael Sue went a bit rogue and expressed his opinion that the NCAA is outdated and that he wouldn't be surprised to see the P5 schools actually break away from the NCAA in the future. We've heard it before. Yes, yeah, so now that was yesterday. Let's further this story a little bit. The University of Minnesota Board of Regents chair, his name is Ken Powell, said this after hearing those comments, quote, I want to be very clear. There have been zero conversations among regents, the university, or Gopher Athletics with respect to the University of Minnesota, much less any Power Five institution, an institution changing its relationship with the NCAA, end quote. Okay. So pretty much kind of putting that opinion to bed. However, let's just for the sake of argument say that that is on the table. Does BYU have a better chance at P5 inclusion under the current system as a member, as a member of the NCAA or under a possible, possible breakaway
1: P5 faction? Jason, without question, it's if things change. Change and chaos will always be a benefit to schools like BYU, Memphis, Cincinnati, UCF, other teams that want to break into something better and something different. Shifting needs to happen, whether it's a P5 NCAA split or whether it's the Big Ten moving to 16 teams and being a super conference or one of the Power Five conferences dissolving because they are poached from, let's say, The Pac-12 loses Arizona State and Arizona to the Big 12, and now all of a sudden they're scrambling. They need more teams. This is what it's going to take for a team like BYU to get into a Power 5 conference. Just some type of chaos, shifting, random dominoes falling. That's what it's going to take. So, yeah, BYU, in this case, they have a better chance at Power 5 inclusion if something drastic like this happens. Right now, everything kind of feels... Status quo. And how many times has BYU been in the conversation under the current structure from the early 1980s? How many times have they been in the conversation, and it just doesn't come to fruition because of one thing or another? There is always going to be a reason to keep BYU out. No Sunday play governed by the NCAA. All of these different things that the NCAA have their hands in, are more likely to prevent BYU from getting to that Power 5 tier. But if there is shifting and conferences are in desperation mode, then it's like, uh, okay, let's take BYU and uh, San Diego State so that we can still have 12 teams and have a conference championship game and fulfill our TV contract and get all of our money. Uh, I think it's going to happen in 2023 or 2024 when the next shift happens. I don't know if it's going to be Power 5 breakup from the NCAA, but I – Give it like three years, Jason. There will be some type of shift. I, I agree with you. The, the
2: best case scenario you would think would be mass confusion. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Like, like everything changes, whether it's teams that have been P5 schools for decades that are kind of riding the coattails of everybody else getting, getting booted out because they, they don't bring you anything. And then you have – I agree with that. But I just don't, I just don't see that ever happening to that extent, I, I think the current situation is what we're going to be deal with, dealing with. And I agree with you, all be what you can do right now is win as many games as you possibly can. You know you have the national brand. You know you have the national fan base. Conferences already know what BYU is. That's what I mean. People know know. that. It's going to boil down to BYU, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, regardless of the situation, winning games and getting people's attention that way. And then you can pounce when the opportunity presents itself, when all of these TV networks start renegotiating things, and there is some sort of change under the current situation, under the NCAA, that, that's, that's what realistic is. I agree with you. Maybe best case scenario is just complete confusion and everybody changes everything. <laughs> that may help the most, but reality says you just got to win games now and put yourself in, your best, in the best position possible in that situation. I just want to see the chaos.
1: <laughs> I really want to see it. It's so fun when it's chaotic. When there's conference sitting, that is such a fun scenario. Uh, maybe not for the actual conferences, but it is <laughs> yeah, probably for the, uh, not. you know average onlooker. Our question uh, question of the day: Would BYU benefit more from waiting under the current college football model, or from a Power Five breakaway scenario from the NCAA? Let's go to Voice of the Nation.
0: This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation
1: at TX Colonel Answers on Twitter. Anything to shake up the NCAA and the conference alignment opens the door for BYU. So I say it benefits BYU. 100% agree what we were just talking about. Just dominoes need to fall. Chaos ensues. That helps teams like BYU and the other group of fives that are putting together a resume to be included. Coming up, the best former Cougar to wear number 10. And the unlikeliest of champions, according to the score, the 1984 BYU football Cougars. Now, could there be a repeat champion from a group of five conference ever again? We'll discuss it next. This is BYU Sports Nation.
0: BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
2: Make sure to check out the current episode of VoiceOver with Greg and Shep. Highly recommend that show, by the way. Greg and I talking with a BYU head basketball coach Mark Pope. Now, that's the current episode. You can also look forward to a new episode with college basketball insider Andy Katz coming out later today. Great stuff on when we may see college sports again. You can find it on the BYU TV Sports YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram.
1: We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jason Shepard. We welcome in now a college football insider and writer for the score, Mark Cooper, on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Uh, Mark, you and the SCORE have been doing a series of the most unlikely improbable champions in each sport. You have the incredible opportunity to write about BYU as the 1984 national champions. Why did you feel like the Cougars were the most unlikely improbable champion of all of college football?
3: Yeah, you know, it's funny. When, when we started talking about this idea of the most improbable champion in, in the pro sport, uh, and in the college sports, college football struck me as one of the toughest ones because you look at recent history and, and it's Alabama and it's Clemson, and there really isn't a lot of improbability in, in recent college football uh, going going almost all the way back to BYU. And, and BYU struck me as, as the right team, both because it's, it's not the traditional power and, and it was a special season, but also because of the unique circumstances of, of that BYU team. The fact that BYU won a national championship the year after Steve Young was the quarterback and, and, and everything that went into that. Uh, it, it was a fascinating season to dive back into because it was one of those years where uh, seemingly everybody found a way to lose except for BYU and BYU took care of business and um, celebrated the title with with a team that maybe wasn't as good as the one the year before it. I, I spoke to, to David Mills who caught 60 passes on that team. And, uh, you know, he even said it didn't have the, the first round picks and, and the guys that everybody knew, but, but it just found a way to win.
2: What did you learn about that 84 BYU team that you didn't know before doing this piece?
3: Yeah. You know, I, I think the, just how low the level of expectation, I mean, they weren't low going into the season, but, but maybe tempered a little bit. The team was unranked heading into the year. Uh, because, because I think about that time and BYU was successful year after year and, and putting out great quarterbacks and and leading the country and passing offense. Uh, but to go back and, and like I said, I talked, I spoke to David Mills and, and he talked a lot about leading into that season opener against Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh's a top five team in the preseason and, and BYU's there as, as an underdog and, and kind of how they kind of took that mentality, even though they went in 11 and won the year before, they felt like they had a lot to prove. There was a number of guys on that team who weren't the leading receiver, leading rusher, the year before, uh, the fact that that team, despite being so successful the year before and and ending the season in the top 10, was able to to kind of create that chip to put on its shoulder and and enter with uh, kind of something to prove, I I thought that was really interesting.
1: It is interesting that BYU was the last non-Power 5 team to win a national championship and also the last non-Power 5 school to produce a Heisman Trophy winner with Ty Detmer in 1990. It kind of feels like they're at the forefront of causing some problems for college football or causing shifts for college football. So was it a good thing for BYU to win the national title or uh, more of a bad thing for college football?
3: Yeah. You know, I kind of got into it in the piece a little bit and how uh, you can make the argument that BYU's championship in 84 really kind of started to influence the movement toward the BCS and and now the college football playoff. And uh, take your pick of, of an undefeated uh, group of five team from the last, 20 years, whether it's Boise State or, or UCF or even TCU before they moved to the Big 12, had a couple of big seasons, and and none of those teams never, ever really got the chance to play for a national championship. You know, their, their consolation was a Fiesta Bowl or, or something where uh, they'd be considered top 10 at the end of the year, but not top two. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it was a, a good thing to college football. I think it's a good thing. The, the system we have now. I like the idea that. that the teams that are decided to be one and two are going to go against each other at the end of the year. I think that's, that's kind of the one thing that's so different now when you look back at 1980s football is, uh, that the fact that the national champions played their bowl game on December 21st and, and found out that they were the champion, uh, you know, 11 days later in a team meeting. It, it's, it's so different and, and probably not the right way for it to work. So I, I think that things gravitated in the right direction, though obviously, uh, it would be great if, if there was a system where, where you could really kind of determine the best team, no matter what conference you were in.
2: You know, and that's the interesting part about this. Everybody that will still make arguments as to maybe why they don't believe BYU should have won in eighty-four will always use arguments that are relevant with today's current system. And you just can't compare, as you mentioned, because they're just two completely different things. And obviously anybody surrounding that argument, if you're on the BYU side in eighty-four, you absolutely believe you you deserve to win the national championship. And those that didn't make it feel strongly the other way. Where do you fall in the argument with everything that was was in play at that time. Do you believe BYU deserved to be the national championship in 1984?
3: Yeah, you know, I do. And, and that debate was, was a big part of the story. I, I went back and found uh, in the final week of the regular season, ABC was was broadcasting the Iron Bowl and, and the Florida-Florida State games. And they actually cr- created a telephone call-in poll asking people around the country to, to dial one number if you think BYU deserves to be number one and, and dial this other number if they don't. And uh, more than three hundred and fifty thousand people called in that day. Each <laughs> each, each thing you know, they did charge fifty cents a phone call, so so they kind of made a bunch of money off of it too. Uh, but uh, and 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 the majority, it was a small majority, said said no, BYU shouldn't be number one, which uh, you probably expect because the majority of people calling in probably weren't BYU fans. Uh, but I think that that season was so unique that that yes, they deserved it. Every, everywhere you looked, whether it was Nebraska or it was Oklahoma or even South Carolina. Uh, they all stumbled somewhere along the way. And and you have to give BYU credit for, for not doing that. Uh, they, had, they had a quarterback who was in, in consideration for the Heisman and had a big year. Uh, and I think that BYU's success in the years prior probably helped them with voters because they weren't just a one-year wonder. I think voters knew, all right, this is a good program. This, You know, even though they didn't play the schedule, other teams did, this this is a team that's proven in the past they can win big games. And so, Yeah, I think that was a a unique year, and, and, and maybe BYU, that team, was lucky a little bit to be in 1984. Some other seasons, they might not have had the chance to be number one, but in that season alone, they deserved it. Mark
1: Cooper, college football insider and writer for The Score with us on BYU Sports Nation. You are absolutely right. It was a slow build for BYU, starting with Gifford Nielsen in 1977. The Cougars won 11-1 and in 1979 with Mark Wilson. Then the McMahon years, they lost one game in 80, one game in 81. 82, they had four losses with Steve Young, but they bounced back and finished number seven in the country, losing just one game. So uh, what we are gathering is it takes a lot to put yourself in position as a non-Power 5 school, to even be in the conversation. Mark, could this ever happen again for a team like UCF or Boise State or Gulp if BYU has a few magical seasons?
3: I, I, I think it's going to take an expansion of the playoff, honestly. And, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we reach a day where the playoff is eight teams and and there's an opportunity for a Boise or a BYU or UCF to get in there. But I kind of think we saw it with Boise you know, really a decade ago, they, they had sustained success, uh, you know, similar to the level that BYU did in, in the seventies and eighties, where they were on the cusp of being undefeated every year and they scheduled really well. You know, they played Georgia, they played Virginia Tech, Boise State did all they could to, to really put themselves on the national stage. Uh, and, and still, you know, their peak was, was playing in a BCS bowl. It wasn't being one of the top two or three teams at the end of the season. And so I still think that, that it's going to take uh an 18 playoff because i think that we've seen you know ucf a couple of years ago if you have an 18 playoff i don't know how you keep them out of it and and that's all it takes is a chance you know going going back to the 1984 byu team that's one of the things they they heard the criticism all year long of their schedule and all they wanted to do was have a chance to play a washington or an oklahoma you know they, they would have loved the chance to step on the field against them and, and never got it and and i think that's that's kind of what it's going to take is is an expanded playoff to where you can't keep an undefeated team like that out. When is it most likely
1: for the playoff to expand? What, what's the timetable for all of this?
0: Yeah, that's
3: a good question. And, and I wonder uh, if this sort of pause in the sports world is, is going to uh, make people consider that a little more strongly. I, I mean, I don't think we're, I think we're less than a decade out, honestly. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of the conference deals start to expire later this decade, Uh, tv deals get renegotiated that's that's kind of the time where things are going to have to uh you're gonna have to take a hard look at it and and decide whether you want to go from four to eight um and it's also maybe going to take some of the results on the field you know i feel like we we hear a little bit more chatter about it from different areas of the country depending on which conferences are excluded from the playoff and uh you know if there's never a year that the sec misses out on the playoff for one reason or another i imagine you'll hear an uproar from one area of the country saying all right we need a larger playoff it's but i do think it's it's on the horizon. Uh, later this decade, I I would expect.
2: Mark, I want to go back to something you said just a second ago. And you said the answer probably 10 years ago was Boise State, that they were the team best poised to, if anybody was going to do it, to be able to do what BYU did in 84. So as of today, realizing that it is still a long shot with the current system, what team today in college football is in that position to maybe be that team that could break through?
3: Yeah, I, I kind of lean toward UCF simply because they've had so much success recently. Obviously that they lost a couple games this past season. Uh, but, but they're coming off a great run of success. The fact that they're in Florida, I think helps them a little bit. And, and the, the American Athletic Conference to me is, is getting a little bit stronger every year. You know, Memphis has had a really good run. Cincinnati's been really good under Luke Fickle. That's, that's turned into a pretty strong conference. Um, you know, certainly, uh, the sixth strongest conference and, And you could probably take certain divisions in the Power Five and, and say, you know, the American could go toe for toe with divisions, you know, maybe not the entire conference. Uh, so I would kind of lean toward UCF simply because, uh, they play in the top conference that, that isn't in the Power Five right now. And, and they've had some success and and regionally it would work out for them. Um, you know, they're a large school. Whether they can sustain it, we'll see. I think this, these next couple of years are going to be big for them to prove that. They can continue to do it after Scott Frost is gone and and after they lose some of their playmakers who guided their undefeated year.
1: Mark Cooper, college football insider with us on BYU Sports Nation. Mark, you have written for uh, a number of different publications, and you told us uh, that before you used to work in Oklahoma and you covered the Big 12, and you were around all that hullabaloo when the Big 12 was thinking about expanding, and BYU was in the conversation. Every BYU fan wears the blue goggles to a degree and thinks, hey, we belong as a Power Five team. What was uh, the reception of that idea in Big 12 country when it was happening towards BYU?
3: Yeah, I mean, for a long time there, it felt like expansion was inevitable for the Big 12. Right, it it, it, it was just a question of who. And uh, you know, I remember every year we'd go, we'd go down to, to Dallas for Big 12 media days, and, and Bob, that'd be the first question Bob Bowlsby would field is, "Is where do you think stand with expansion?" And and you know, what do you think of Houston? What do you think of Memphis? What do you think of Cincinnati? What do you think of BYU? Uh, and, and I think now we're at a point where the big 12 doesn't have a need to expand. You know, they've, they've really kind of, uh, they've, they've grown their digital product and what they're doing with ESPN plus now. And uh, I, I think the big 12 seems to be on more stable ground than maybe it was uh, back in 2014 when, when they missed down missed on the very first playoff and, and everybody was kind of very concerned. You know, I think Oklahoma's played a big role in that the fact that, uh, you know, you went through a little bit of a lull there, uh, maybe, a decade ago. And, and now they're at a point where they, they're winning the conference every year and in the playoff. Uh, but for a while there, I thought BYU was, was among the top teams to, to join the Big 12 simply because of the fan base and, and the history, the fact that there's a national championship on, on BYU's resume. It's uh, a, a school that's that's good in basketball too. I, there, were, there were a number of things to like about BYU. Uh, and, and then kind of the door closed where the Big 12 realized, okay, they, they can make do with 10 teams for a while.
1: Mark, great stuff, man. Uh, The article was fantastic. Always fun to relive uh, just how improbable and unbelievable that was for BYU. And we appreciate the time, man.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks.
1: You got it. Mark Cooper on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Skype, or rather Zoom. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
2: By the way, thank you so much for allowing us to discuss Big 12 expansion You
1: know today. I had you in <laughs> yeah, mind when I yeah, asked that, yeah, I that just, question. I just want you to know how much I appreciate it. Thank you. You're on the show. We yeah. have to ask one, at least one BYU to the Big 12, 12 question. I, and
2: and I, I thank you for it. Coming up, Deep Blue <laughs> with our guy T.J. Hawes. And
1: who was the best to ever wear number 10 at BYU? Was it my guy Mitch Matthews, Jason? Elite? He, was a, he was a number 10, and he was elite. Stay with us, BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. You can
2: watch it on BYUSN.com or the BYU TV app. Don't forget, you can listen on the BYU
1: radio app or where podcasts are found. No mock turtleneck today for Jason Shepard, but he's still very stylish. I am Spencer Linton. Welcome back to Studio B. It is time to whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Basketball.
2: Silver Waves media named BYU's Chris Burgess, one of the 50 most impactful mid-major assistants in college basketball. The piece praised Burgess's ability to develop bigs, both
1: during his one year at BYU and previously with Utah Valley. Football. Jack Swarbrick, the athletic director of independent football comrade to BYU, Notre Dame, says he's confident the Irish will play a high-quality schedule if other conferences move to a conference-only schedule in 2020. He referenced... A Power 5 conference plus one model with Notre Dame being the plus one. Will that actually happen? And if it does, what about BYU? Download the podcast to hear our conversation about that earlier in the show. We have been doing the best to wear it, counting up from zero to 99 as we chronicle every Number and the best athlete to ever wear that number in Provo, Utah at BYU. Jason, today it's all about the perfect 10. That's right. So these were the three that were up for the best to wear
2: number 10. You had Vance Law, Mitch Matthews, Mm -hmm. and Amy Boswell. All
1: amazing. All three high-level athletes at BYU. Only one played for a national championship. Just saying that. Okay, so... Vance
2: Law 1975 to 1979 with BYU baseball hit 312 31 doubles 13 triples 8 home runs 93 RBI he Woo. was a three time all conference whack shortstop started on the BYU basketball team as well for a couple of seasons between yeah. 75 and 77 many people forget this yes He played 14 years of professional baseball, including 10 at the Major League level. He had a career batting average of .257. He was an all-star for the Cubs in 1988. Mm -hmm. He then went into coaching at BYU. 2001, he was the Mountain West Conference Coach of the Year. And Sports Illustrated selected him 19th on its list of Utah's 50 greatest
1: athletes of the century. Okay, um, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Vance Law takes the cake. Vance Law is the at, winner at, of this. At number 10. Yes. I just want to go back and watch Vance Law highlights with Harry Carey commentating in 1980. <laughs> the two led to Vance Law. <laughs> that was Will Ferrell as Harry Carey yes. is what that was. <laughs> all right, my guy Mitch Matthews. We all know how much I love Mitch Matthews. The elite number 10 for BYU football. He had the unforgettable catch at the goal line to beat Nebraska, the Hail Mary, the manga Miracle. He scored a couple of touchdowns that day, as a matter of fact. To me, Jason, he's the last great receiver to have played at BYU in terms of statistics. Like He was the last guy to put up over 900 yards and really threatened that 1,000-yard mark. Mitch Matthews was a stud. Phil steals all the dependent first team in 2014-15. He had 16 catches in a game against Nevada in 2014 and had 24 receiving touchdowns in his career. That's fifth all-time of all BYU receivers. Mitch Matthews, elite, but not quite Vance Law. And then there's Amy Boswell. Yeah, you cannot
2: forget Amy Boswell with BYU Women's Volleyball. She played on the Women's Volleyball team from 2012 to 2016, 345 hitting percentage, 555 blocks, 900 <laughs> kills, 175 digs, 50 solo blocks, by the way. 2016, she was the AVCA first-team All-American and was first-team All-WCC. 2015, she was third-team All-American, first-team in the, in the WCC. She was the defensive player of the year in 2015. 2014, she was an honorable mention All-American. time All-American if you include the That's, honorable mention. Look, look, and she was a, she was a, she went to, with that team to three sweet 16 finishes and then a national runner up in 2014.
1: She, as a middle blocker, was unbelievable. How amazing were those BYU women's volleyball teams? What a run. Yes. What a run uh, with the Olmsteds as their coaches. I mean, great stuff. Amy Boswell, all deserving. We're giving it to Vance Law. Coming up, our rise and shout-outs,
2: including an awesome update on a former True Blue hero.
1: Plus, T.J. Haas may have recorded the best 24-hour span ever of any BYU athlete in the last calendar year, and it included an unforgettable win over St. Mary's. We chronicle it next with Deep Blue.
0: This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us Friday as we chronicle the
2: 17-1, and number-one-ranked BYU men's volleyball 2020 season that was cut short due to COVID-19. It's unfinished business. Friday, May 8th, noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio.
1: You could apply that title to BYU basketball as well. Unfinished business, albeit the build-up was amazing for both volleyball and men's basketball, only to see it cut short. Our deep loot today features one of the BYU basketball stars, TJ Haas. And what a month of February he went through, Jason. His life changed so much. And I'm not talking just about a buzzer beater. This is Deep Blue with T.J. Haas.
4: I started playing and, you know, ever since I can remember that I could hold a ball, I have started playing basketball. I really started getting competitive in first grade and that's when we started traveling and things like that. I remember going to Florida in first grade and playing in a tournament then, which was really fun, and just kind of starting things off at a young age. And, you know, I've been playing basketball ever since.
5: Too strong. To Hawes with a throw down? Yes! You talk about T.J. Hawes, and in a lot of ways, he embodies the word relentless. He's been here for four years and he's had incredible successes, taken a ton of criticism from people and he's also been lifted up as one of the best players in this league for four consecutive years. The thing about TJ, he keeps coming back every single day with an extraordinary effort and his body of work is incredible. Think about it, four-time all-league player, top 10 all-time scoring, top 10 all-time assists, top five all-time three points made, His records go on and on and on. And all of it this year is being culminated in this extraordinary senior year he's having. Off the court, he looks like he could be a professor here, right, at BYU. But he's got a certain demeanor about him that demands respect, both off the court as well as on the court. Really makes him a special person.
6: Okay, this is going to be the diaper bag. That will be mine, and then you can grab... uh...
4: chance. Lauren and I met at a school dance. It was my sophomore year in high school, and we didn't go with each other. Our whole group was just hanging out at someone's house. There was a fire going on, and and we started talking then, and then
6: we just became friends, and we started texting and hanging out. I thought he was super charming, super cute, really fun and funny to hang out with.
4: And then we both uh, left on missions on the exact same day. And that was a really cool experience for us to kind of, you know, see each other grow, uh, especially, you know, starting at that same point. And then we got home, and we got married six months later, and now we're having a baby, so. <laughs> so we're all good in here? Everything's set?
6: Yeah, I think so.
5: We have a hundred blankets.
6: We have a hundred blankets and a crib that he won't use for a while. So
5: it's perfect. TJ's life right now is beautiful because he has pressure coming from so many different directions. He's got his current basketball career. He's got his future basketball career. He's got his academic pressures. And then he's got his family. He's about to welcome in his third member of his family in a matter of
6: hours. BYU plays St. Mary's on Saturday at 8 p.m. They're going to win that game and then we are literally leaving straight from the Marriott Center. Our bags are packed, our car will be packed, and we are gonna head to the hospital to have our baby.
4: It's gonna be a day that that we'll never forget for sure. It's packed. Let's do this thing. Okay. Okay, I gotta roll. Okay, I'll see you later.
6: Okay, see ya.
0: Oh. Court side. his going to be court side. <laughs> no,
6: that's a good idea.
3: Toulson on the sideline into Hawes. TJ. Selyus, hand handoff, Toulson, 25 feet away. Right side to TJ, left side, down to 10. TJ, pull up three.
5: He oh! got it!
4: Fine, see you tomorrow yeah. okay, okay. Love you. am I driving
2: yeah
4: <laughs> we're just here to check in at labor delivery okay thank you yeah this has been It's been a crazy time for me as well, because my grandpa's not doing well.
6: Grandpa Ralph is one of the best guys I've ever met. He is so genuine. He's sweet. He is funny and fun, and he loves basketball, and he loves TJ. Basketball has really brought them together, and I think it's really hard when someone so close in your life gets sick and you know that their time is coming to a close, it's so hard because you just want to be with them forever.
4: If you ask anybody here at BYU, he's he's been at every single practice. He loves the game and he's, he's always around. And it's been super hard for me to see him slow down. And I, I feel like it's really reminded me the important things in life. And there's more to life than, than basketball. It's relationships, it's family. Those are the things that last forever. Our little boy he's gonna be he's gonna be named after after Grandpa Ralph.
6: I think it will be really great to have a name where you can look back and have such a good example and someone to always kind of lean on. He was born at 6 twelve pm and he is six pounds, fifteen ounces and twenty one inches long.
4: As he grows older, I hope he knows and feels how much his parents love him and how important family is in life and that he can make those relationships a priority and that you know when it's time for him to move out of the house that he knows what he wants and he and he's seen that in his life this is baby Tyson Ralph Haas
1: What a great story. T.J. Haas and uh, his son, Tyson Ralph Haas, uh, his grandfather, Ralph, a huge part of the BYU Athletic Department program supporter has since passed. Um, but what a great way to honor him by uh, naming his firstborn son with uh, the middle name of his grandfather.
2: Yeah, that's that's a fantastic piece. And when you think back on TJ Hawes' career, obviously you're you're going to remember the big shots, and he had multiple big shots, huge shots just this season. But one of the things that I will always remember about him is his durability, and the fact that he was an iron man. He was out there every night, regardless of the situation, and that's. That's one of the things that, that I admire the most about T.J. Hawes was his ability to just be out there every single night and give it everything he had.
1: In my mind, he took BYU to the NCAA tournament. I know it didn't happen, right? but he was a huge part of getting the Cougars back in that conversation. Without question. No doubt about it. All right, Teej. Hope you're watching, man. (laughs) Hope you're well. Coming up, why we are hashtag blessed with BYU hoops. You had to bring the hashtag blessed into it, didn't you? Always. And our rising shout-outs feature a Lamborghini and a former True Blue hero. This is BYU Sports Nation.
0: This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968.
1: Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, the show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps.
2: You can also download the podcast, just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast,
1: and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. As promised, the hashtag blessed portion (laughs) of BYU Sports Nation, specifically to the BYU basketball coaching staff, and more specifically to Chris Burgess, who was honored as one of the top mid-major assistants.
2: Yeah, and one of the reasons that was given as to why he was being recognized, and there's a lot of reasons why Chris Burgess deserves to be recognized, he's doing a fantastic job, but specifically with his work with the big men, and it's, and it's obviously during the one year so far with BYU and then his previous stop with Coach Pope at Utah Valley, the the development uh, of the big men at at the two programs has has been pretty remarkable. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that Chris is getting the recognition. But honestly, if you look at this coaching staff in one year, just look at everything that in their very first year on the job for BYU, they had to go through. They had to go through not thinking you had Yoli Childs. Then you get Yoli. You get Yoli, but then he has to sit out for nine, and then you're dealing with injuries again with Yoli. You're dealing with injuries with Gavin Baxter that you thought you were going to have.
1: Not to mention uh, the the whole situation um, uh, with uh, oh goodness gracious oh, Zach Selias in Spain. Thank you.
2: Yet with the ankle yes, yes in the in yes. the preseason
1: you have to deal with
2: all of this in your very first year on the job at a brand new program. And you have the success that you did. And then you go through a season where you were going to the NCAA tournament. You were going to have an opportunity to prove yourself. And gets cut short because of circumstances beyond anybody's control. But they're still out there grinding. Optimism. M- getting a a massive transfer in Matt Harms. They're in the market for they're, – they're talking to everybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> Honestly, every day there's like so-and-so spoke with BYU. It's great. And – I, I'm just really impressed with the coaching staff and what they've been able to do in such a short period of time.
1: Uh, no. Wow. It's been uh, unbelievable. And I, Mark Pope loves to use the word relentless. Relentless yeah. effort. And he used it uh, when he was explaining T.J. Haas in the Deep Blue segment we just showed you. Chris Burgess has that relentless factor. You want to know why BYU is having so much great success with high-level transfers? Oh, by the way, BYU had to replace Nick Emery, too, right. who retired. That's, that's right. And when got Alex Barcelo yep. because of this step. They get high-level transfers because Mark Pope and Chris Burgess lived it, Jason. Mark went from Washington to Kentucky, won a national championship, got himself into the NBA. Burgess went from Duke as the number one rated high school recruit in the entire country to Utah and then spawned that into a very successful, lengthy European basketball career. These guys have lived it, so do you think they can relate to this growing number of transfers and high-level transfers? And show them what they were capable of doing with Jake Toulson and Alex Barcelo, And now they got Matt Harms to BYU. This is a growing trend, and it's because they have done it and with the relentless effort.
2: Well, and think back to just recently with whether it's Harms or the, the high school players who have signed already with BYU. Most of the conversation in terms of why they came here, certainly there's the X's and O's and, and how your, your game can progress every single one of them talked about the relationships they have with the coaches. That that's, that's what sold them. It's wanting to play for these guys. And what you brought up in terms of, of what guys specifically like Coach Pope and, and, and Chris Burgess, and, and certainly not forget Coach Robinson and Coach Feger, and the, the wealth of knowledge that they bring to this. As a collective, these guys can relate. And these guys come in, and they immediately feel – a part of it, and they want to sure. be a part of it beyond any of the other stuff. The other stuff will come if you trust the people that you're committing to. And that's what these players are coming in and committing to these, to these coaches because they trust them. They trust them with their lives to a certain degree because you're going to be around them and it, it's some, you know in it, a really important time in your life. But also your, your
1: basketball career is in their hands, and they trust them with both. Yeah, the comfort factor of knowing that they did it. that they are succeeding with players that are choosing to do it in the transfer portal, it it matters. Our question of the day, back to BYU football, would the Cougars benefit more from waiting under the current college football model or from a Power 5 conference breakaway scenario where they split from the NCAA? Uh, Our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at CL underscore living, as most married BYU students know, and there are a lot of them, Before the wedding, a big breakup took place. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Uh, that's pretty fantastic. He's just got real. Now uh, for today's rise and shout-outs.
2: Uh, this was, uh, started out as a, a local story, but now it's national. Everybody saw the, the kid from northern Utah, the 5-year-old that took the parents' car and was on his way to California because he wanted to buy a Lamborghini. Uh, yeah, 5-year-old. Uh, well, obviously, thank goodness nobody got hurt. He was fine. but And I don't know who did it, but somebody with a Lamborghini found who, who the kid was with permission from the parents, able to take him on a ride in a Lamborghini yesterday. Great way to, to end that story. Luckily, again, everything worked out okay.
1: How did he start the car? Incredible. Yes. Okay, my rising shout out goes to True Blue Hero. Uh, his name is Johnny Stott. Uh, he just received his mission call to Sao Paulo, Brazil. Here's a kid that was born with a, a genetic mutation that left him paralyzed. He fought through the odds. He was a starting quarterback for his Green Canyon High School team in the Logan, Utah area. Was one for one in that game. His team won that game dramatically. Now he's going to be a missionary in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Congratulations to Johnny Stott. Our thanks to today's guests. For Jason, I am Spencer. Shout out to Kurt Cavea.
2: And I know everybody out there, oh, that one night in a row, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear it, okay? (laughs) It's like you're playing an FCS team anyway, brother.